0: Live from the embalming room, this is a very spooky episode of Austin Danger Podcast, the only randomly curated Austin Powers-themed podcast on the internet. As always, I'm Kev, and I'm joined by super producer extraordinaire Mackenzie Wilkes. Hello! And this week on the show, we are talking about Robert Zemeckis' Death Becomes Her, the movie wow. that gave us Forrest Gump next to JFK in Zemeckis' next him, Forrest Gump. A visual effects spectacular, a movie that came out of nowhere for many people, a classic. Old Gump? Old Gump came after this movie? That's right. So that's, I wanted to talk about this. I'm glad you brought it up. (laughs) Robert Zemeckis' philography is absolutely wild. Yeah, This is, he does Back to the Future. Um, Great, yeah. Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
1: (gasps) perfect then
0: (laughs) immediately goes into back to the future two and three which were shot back to back
1: yeah yeah yeah. gotta do it death becomes
0: her Uh, incredible forrest gump okay a movie contact holy shit uh a cult thriller called what lies beneath that people like very much and then cast away wow what a (gasps) life
1: and then the next three in a row
0: (laughs) are the cg nightmares yeah
1: he did beowulf
0: yeah, he did Beowulf, future Yo, episode. Crispin I've, Glover is returned to the show.
1: Oh my God. I remember when that dropped on like DVD and uh our English teachers in middle school were like, We're gonna watch Beowulf as like cause it's like a it's like the right the book. And everyone was like, We're gonna see Angelina Jolie's body. Like all of us in middle school were like, we're so cool because we get to watch You guys had never seen a cartoon. Yeah, literally. Uh that was the I don't even remember that movie. So wow, I did not know he did that.
0: The return, the reunion of Crispin Glover and uh, Robert Zemeckis, I should say. Yeah, I mean, the 21st <laughs> century is not kind to this man. He uh, he makes very eclectic films. He's one of these guys, I hate to compare him to filmmakers I, I like way more, but he's kind of like the Martin Scorsese where he'll just make a movie about whatever. Welcome to Marwin, wild film.
1: I remember that trailer and, and see, feeling like I wanted to see it and then I never did.
0: Uh, America felt that.
1: Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, I did see The Witches, uh, a cloud of classic forgotten COVID drop movie, I feel like. That's
0: right. A movie that has been erased by HBO Max. You uh, cannot watch it on Max. Cost cutting. And they wanted to put that out on rental instead. Um, Stupid. Okay. They wrote it off.
1: Yeah. Classic.
0: How do we even get to The Witches? Because I have to go.
1: (laughs) Robert Zemeckis, the director of this week's film, Death Becomes Her.
0: That's right, and we'll be talking about that movie later, but first we have some business to get to.
1: We steered that, that track. We were almost off of it, and we got it right back on, baby.
0: What is it like doing a podcast? <laughs> Help me. We were so... You know, we were so locked in. Well, I can only speak for myself. I was so locked into the trial of Trainer that I'm just, I'm just not <laughs> you used to there the was regular life. show. Life I forgot that trial. there was a show. <laughs> Speaking of life after trial, the jury foreman has delivered me the results of the trial of Trainer. Letitia James has given this the go-ahead. It is all legal in the state of New York. So mm-hmm. that's good enough for me. After Lori Lightfoot left Chicago, it's just been uh, a mess over there. I don't mean to speak for you, but. No, there's a fedora
1: left in her wake. We don't know. <laughs> there's nothing. There's no one here. We're a lawless town. My Kia Soul was broken into this week. We are truly a lawless town.
0: Jesus. That's, it's not even, <laughs> what, what struck me about it is it's not even the right year of Kia to get broken into.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. We haven't even talked about that offline that my car was broken into. But this is another tangent. We got to keep moving. What did the jury Look, of trainers' peers deliver unto us?
0: The jury has found that in the trial of trainer regarding Kenneth Branagh's Poirot films, mm-hmm. the jury of Austin Nation has found trainer at a very close fifty-six percent of the vote.
1: Very close
0: not guilty
1: man. I was shocked to see how close it got. (laughs) I thought either people would go so hard into the bit. It would be completely guilty or people would feel so like soft hearted from the episodes. They would go completely not guilty, but this was like basically down the middle, like a a difference of like a few votes.
0: That's right. Um, I don't know I don't even know what to say. We're going to honor this verdict. Trainer, you are exonerated of all accusations that we didn't even give you.
1: Do you know what what I need now in my life? Like a 12 Angry Men style film of the jury for the trial <laughs> of trainer specifically. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well that depends on what you'd call an entertaining film. What do you consider, what is entertainment to you?
1: Oh, I love this. I love this voice. I have actually not seen this movie. So. Uh,
0: Not a direct quote. So congratulations to Trainer. You're not guilty this time. Maybe next year we'll do the exoneration of Trainer.
1: (laughs) Hey, if there's another pro film, the trial must, (laughs) we have to, what is it? Open the case again. We got to reopen the case if another pro film gets released. Exactly.
0: I I will say the producers in interviews about this movie are very cagey about a fourth Paro film happening.
1: We got to demand it.
0: But here's the deal. The streaming numbers on Death on the Nile are what helped get Haunting in Venice greenlit in the end. Oh, wow. So something to consider. Oh, God.
1: Oh, what do we do now? Um, We sometimes talk about what we've been watching. I love my my Vanna White voice trying to bring you back to the fold.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's right. It's time. I'm so sorry. I just, you know, the thing, the thing is I just haven't had a lot of sleep and I'm just not used to being back on the show. It's been a long week. It's been a long week. So Mackenzie, I'll get into my week in a moment, Mm -hmm. but please tell me what have you been watching.
1: Oh my God. I've, yeah, I've actually, it seems like the groove is coming back. Maybe, maybe Kenzo's yeah. getting the groove back. Cause I watched like 10 movies in this month alone and we are on October 4th right now. So we're doing, we're doing a lot. I don't know what to talk about. Um, I've, been chugging through the pedro journey um a lot of films that feel like strange to discuss on this podcast but i've written a lot of reviews i've put a lot of thought and a lot of heart into um, especially for the film talk to her which i think is a very complicated amadovar film Um, uh, as well as time me up time me down and broken embraces the skin i live in which i thought i would be like terrified by and i honestly found it a little boring Compared to my normal Pedro fare that I enjoy, so yeah, I've been chugging through that Pedro journey. I'm hoping to see Strange Way of Life this weekend in theaters, Mm. and really kind of feel like I'm putting a button on on this, or Allah as you as you are for Marty, right? Putting your kind of stamp on the journey after you see him in theaters. So, I know Strange Way of Life is short, but they're pairing it with the Human Voice, which I've also not seen, so I'm hoping to knock those two out together. Um, But the one I need to tell you about is one that absolutely needs to be on the wheel. And it is this shitty movie I watched called Vamps oh from 2012, gosh. directed by Amy Heckerling. I believe it is all, it has to be on the wheel. We should put it there because Christian Johnston, who we all know and love as Ivana Humpalot and Austin Powers' the Spy Who Shagged Me, is in this film doing a horrendous British accent for literally no reason at all. This is streaming on Showtime, and I... I I think after I watched Cassandro for Real Latinos, I was looking at Gail Garcia Bernal films. And I was like, what can I see Gail in? And I saw this movie and I was so drawn to it because I go, what is this movie that Gail Garcia Bernal is in? And then I look at the rest of the cast and I see Alicia Silverstone. Okay, yeah. Kristen Ritter. All right, yeah. She was on TV at this time. Sigourney Weaver? Richard Lewis? Wallace? Sean... Malcolm McDowell of A Clockwork Orange? And then it keeps... Zach Orth, who I love in What a Hot American Summer, Kristen Johnston, and then Gail Garcia Bernal, Dan Stevens from the freaking Beauty and the Beast. He's in other things, but the Beauty and the Beast live action. Um, Downton Abbey Zone. Downton Abbey Zone. Justin Kirk, who I personally love in Angels in America and Weeds. I was just like, what the fuck is this cast? And then I looked up and peeped Amy Heckerling, the director of Clueless, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and a movie I think is cute, Loser, from two thousand, um, which she denies is a remake of The Apartment. When it is one to one, Billy Wilder's The Apartment. Uh, Amy Heckerling's on the ninth film of her career here with Vamps, and it is the last film of her career. <laughs> Quite literally, this is the last movie she's made, and I'm not shocked because it looks like a web series in its tone. It's amateurish, like eighteen year old wrote it writing. And it's hilariously horrendous CGI. Kev, there is a moment, if you ever watch this film, there is a moment of CGI that Sigourney Weaver is involved in at the tail end of this film that will absolutely make your head skyrocket off of your shoulders. It is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. What I'm saying is I don't want to ramble too long, but this movie is really, really bad, but I had a hilariously awesome time watching it. And if you decide to watch it just to get high and have a good time for yourself... Um, it'll just, it's just delightful how deep this cast is in terms of like really great actors and then how bad the movie is in return. So weirdly, I had a great time with it and I hope we get it on the wheel one day. I know that's a lot of my thoughts right there, but I hope we get it on the wheel so it can be like a classic, like love to hate it kind of thing.
0: Here's the thing. Kristen Johnston, let's be real, doing a lot of heavy lifting on the link side. Yes, but. Hey, Frank Gaeta in the sound department of international man of mystery. He'll bring us there too. And we go 20th century women and (gasps) the descendants, a movie I do not like very much.
1: Whoa, that guy is going to be exciting. It's, it's like, it's to me, it was like so bad, but like deeply entertaining and so much fun to watch. So I don't, it's, it, it rides that perfect middle to me of, of what I want in a movie that like gives me that. So Yeah. I loved it. I watched that in the middle of a bunch of Pedro movies. So, uh, Kev, what did you watch this week?
0: Where to even begin? I guess I'll talk about. I'm at the New York Film Festival a bunch over the next couple of weeks. This is like my first year really getting into doing it. Yeah, and it's really exhausting. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, but very exhausting. I saw Hayao Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron which really should be called its original name. How do you live? Cause that's like what the movie is about. And they call that out by name. There's a name drop in the movie. That's very important. And uh boy and the heron is a little simple for what it actually is. And that's all I can say. Mm. It should be a surprise. It's wonderful. It's wonderful.
1: I definitely dislike the name change, especially cause the name, the original name had an English translation. So I was like, what are we doing here guys?
0: Tell me about it. And then I went to the big fancy, not the I went to like the sloppy seconds gala opening of Maestro. Oh for amazing. all the jerks who couldn't get into the <laughs> the six o'clock show. And um it was a very exciting time to watch the movie. I need to see it again.
1: Mm.
0: It sounds like a hedge. I don't really care. <laughs> I I feel like the problem I'm having with that movie is that the whole way it's bradley cooper's second film it's his biopic of leonard bernstein and his relationship with music and he also plays bernstein as well with uh, a nose on
1: mm-hmm.
0: i was a choice that was made that i don't think makes a difference but anyway enough about that I, it's not, i'm not the authority on the nose
1: yes i understand
0: <laughs> but um the movie is trying to illustrate that Bernstein had a love affair with, with a man who wasn't his wife, but also with music. Mm -hmm. And that part comes across, but to the consequence of, I want to be there with the music more than I want to be with this family story. And then at the end he goes to great lengths to do very daring things with the way that that story resolves. Mm. Um, And I, I applaud him for being very brave with it, but I don't think it was earned by Mm -hmm. the middle of the movie where things kind of drop out for me.
1: Did you like a star is born?
0: Yes. Same. I thought a star is born was a may. It is. It's, it's way better than I thought it was going to be. Like it surpassed two and a half years of me being like, there's no way I'm going to like love, love it.
1: You know, I thought it was really, I haven't watched it since I watched it when it came out and I came because I was a huge Gaga fan. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, And Yeah, I loved it. I loved it a ton, but I I, I need to revisit it. But I still, whenever I look at that best actor lineup, I I know it's a controversial best actor win with Rami Malek. I do really genuinely believe Bradley Cooper should have won best actor that year. He was really... I mean, he was a great director in A Star is but he was just a -A 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 great performance in that movie. Wasn't that the Green Book year? I think so, because it was the year Rami Malek won best actor i think it was like him and v- yeah maybe i forget what who are we was all doing but...
0: with our lives that that, that <laughs> happened anyway, i have no fucking idea i think uh, carrie mulligan's phenomenal bradley cooper i think does a. I don't know enough about bernstein the guy to say mm-hmm. if he did a great job i think the performance is well done and was worth it and the kids seem to think it was so who am they... i i don't know the kids were happy <laughs> Everybody but Bradley Cooper came back for us 9 p.m. schmucks. It was actually at 9.45, so I was out at, like... I was, like, stumbling out into Lincoln Center at, like, 12.30.
1: Oh, no.
0: Um, But, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I liked it. I think I'll like it more taking it all in again. Mm. But if you can see it in a movie theater, the better sound system, the better. I don't know how good Netflix is going to be about that for this film, so... Mm just saying if you can get to a place like the Paris here in New York, I highly recommend it. Um, I also, I think we have just enough time for me to give my weekly plug. If you are not watching Apple TV Plus's (laughs) hit drama, the morning show, (laughs) then you are missing out on one of the great genre throwbacks. One of the great unhinged, like breakdown in the writer's room and it shows up on the show situations ever a show that that never really knows what exactly it's about so it's just pivoting to the next thing and in that way is one of the great depictions of journalism in the 21st century in my opinion
1: oh my god Um, it's
0: so over the top so crazy i've made a conscious effort not to use that adjective on this show and in my life but this show it's the only way I could describe it. It is the most extreme all the time. Nestor Carbonell says spirit animal and gets in trouble with people on Twitter and does a passive aggressive apology this, yes. on air that they do not fall for.
1: I remember I did get that far. I remember that storyline.
0: Weeks of your life will be spent pondering this. <laughs> the- what an amazing show.
1: It's changing you, Kev. It's changing you. Okay. I want
0: to say one thing about this week's show in particular. Yes. And I will not spoil the specifics that I was spoiled for Mackenzie to get her back on the bandwagon already because they are deep spoilers. (laughs) I'll put it this way. This week's episode, there was a time jump in between last year and this year. And the episode that aired this week covers that whole gap, which includes all of COVID, the Black Lives Matter protests in the wake of the death of George Floyd, the January 6th riot. Everything. All of it. Oh Think about what that means on a kooky network feeling prestige TV show about the Today Show. My <laughs> goodness. Just the, like your imagination also will not surpass the level of just the stuff they are making Greta Lee do on this show. <laughs> and I'm just talking about the haircut. I saw that pi- a picture the of the haircut. haircut. Yeah. And then they flash back to March when season two left off and she's got her regular hair and it's like, Oh, they could have just kept, I think they just kept the regular hair would have been fine.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: But yes. um, Oh, I also finished the Marty journey. Everybody I think who loves movies enough to be listening to an Austin powers themed podcast about movies should do it once in their lives. Although again, you can start at mean streets. Nobody cares. I love it. Um, it's the best. It's the best. The Irishman. I cried and cried. I love the Irishman so much, Um, (laughs) but you got to watch it all the way through and you got to have undivided attention. It's like grandpa telling a story. Like you got to hear the whole thing. It's looping and it makes no sense sometimes. And like Ray Romano is really good in it. Just like (laughs) Grandpa's stories. Um, But once you get to that final half hour, you can totally feel the weight of the other three hours on some stuff that I just was blown away by when I watched it on a tablet over a really bad Thanksgiving. Um, And I'm still reeling by it now. I love that movie. The Irishman.
1: Wow, I love that. I gotta watch it. This is a
0: great, that's a great film. One day we will talk about it on Austin Danger (gasps) Podcast. What an episode.
1: <laughs> what a fucking episode. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> the Irishman. But uh yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon, two weeks away, the final movie ever made. We can all <laughs> say goodbye to films. That's it.
1: What about Napoleon? That'll be the last yeah. movie ever released. Killers yes, is last good. made and Napoleon is last there released. We go. Yeah.
0: This is why. This is why we're a team.
1: <laughs> this is why.
0: We're perfect. Yes. So (laughs) Napoleon was the last film ever made. It'll be the last film ever released. Yes. Kills of the Flower Moon will be the last film ever made. Yes. (laughs) And that is what's going on. After that, we will be technically a retro show for the rest of our lives. There will be no new films. It's hard to
1: conceive. Well, speaking of having no new films in a way that is hard to conceive...
0: Whooped it nice. What does it all mean, Basil? Mackenzie, as you may be aware, a couple weeks ago, Taylor Swift oh, and AMC Theaters announced they'll be releasing a concert film of the Eras Tour yeah. that uh, swept through the nation and terrorized Ticketmaster servers all summer as they nickled and dimed everyone, as usual. Yes. Um, we're not Swifties, right? No. But I think we know a great business move when we see it. The writer's strike, you know, people were worried movies might get delayed. There was a window. Taylor took it. The era's movie is coming out in theaters. I saw the trailer. I was hype. I have to be real. I'm not going to go. Excuse me. I'm not going to go, but I'll watch this movie.
1: You're being changed. Oh, no.
0: I'll hear these songs. I I snuck into Talking Heads for an hour because AMC Plus is or AM, whatever it is AMC Stubs mm-hmm. is the greatest system of all time. I got to watch like most of the Talking Heads movie for free. Just because I had an hour to kill and I was in the area. Hell yeah. But um, I mentioned this because not to be outdone, the star of Austin Powers and gold member oh, Beyonce yes. will okay. also be releasing her concert film in December in AMC theater starting December 1st.
1: Now that I will be going to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't give a shit about Taylor Swift, but Beyonce, well, I will
0: show up for her. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. It's just funny that it's a fad. I hope that someone I love gets it. a camera in to capture that U2 Octung baby dome while I'm pandering to Slim all hour.
1: I like genuinely think that media will be enriched if we start getting better about getting live performance. Like, I know that part of live performance is being there for it, but if you can't, you should have the second, the next best thing, which is watching it live. I love concert films. I love national theater live, which films yes. all of its theatrical productions beautifully and makes them available. And then you could watch such incredible theater filmed beautifully and, and sure it'd be different if you were there, but you still get to experience it. I wish like Broadway productions and, and yeah, maybe the, the dome, or whatever, like other live production places would be would get more in the habit of releasing streaming for their stuff.
0: I feel like there's such a hungry audience for that. And I say this like as a theater adjacent person, there is, there are people on Broadway tonight, as we are talking right now, downtown who could be some of the most famous people on earth. If they were given a wider platform,
1: Like I think of Shrek the musical, which I know is like a joke and we will do it one day. I love that and I love the way it's filmed. And like I know people watch that every day. Like I just I don't know why. Yeah, I just don't know why they don't get it. I mean, man.
0: It's a rights thing. I think the unions, it's tough, Mm -hmm. and the expense of actually doing it is it's pretty tough.
1: Yeah. Well, I wish.
0: Well, Billy Crystal's Mr. Saturday Night. Did it get filmed? Is I think yeah, that got filmed. Oh, you bet your ass it got filmed. Two hundred dollar rear mezzanine seats for oh that. Could god. you believe?
1: Indecent, which is one of the most beautiful plays in the entire universe, has a great filmed version as well. If you can find it, like yes, there's some out there that that's are just lovely, amazing. Indecent's like one of my favorite plays in the universe. And the Angels in America at National Theatre Live with Andrew Garfield and uh,
0: oh my god, Nathan Lane. We could do it. ADP the- legend Nathan Lane. Oh yeah, I know. Kev, I've-
1: we got to do it with Rachel one day. <laughs>
0: We'll discuss. I I just had an idea and we'll discuss.
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah, like amazing. There's some amazing theater out there. If you can, if you can watch it, we got totally, I got totally away from Beyonce. I'm so sorry. I keep pulling us off the tracks.
0: That's the only piece of Austin news I had. So that's great.
1: Well, Hey, I think that's,
0: I mean, that's fine by me.
1: I love that. Well, speaking of other kind of spectacles and amazing things that you can watch at home, we have a really fun movie to talk about.
0: That's right. Streaming now on Peacock, the home of uh the today show <laughs> Jimmy Fallon. you could also watch uh, the wwe hey there you go you can also watch death becomes her
1: all right kev bring us into the world of this robert zemeckis picture
0: Aspiring writer Helen and narcissistic actress Madeline have been rivals for as long as they can remember. But 14 years after Madeline steals Helen's fiance, the plastic surgeon Ernest Manville, Madeline is shocked to reunite with a rejuvenated Helen at her book release party. Desperate for answers, Madeline is referred to Liesl von Ruhmann, a creep in a diamond shirt who gives her a magic potion that will give Madeline eternal life. <laughs> But she is too late. Helen has seduced Ernest and they conspire to kill Madeline, but Madeline can't die. So she's like at a 45 degree angle off the stairs, off she goes, her head spins around, but she is alive technically because she cannot die. From then on, it's an all out war for Ernest that culminates with a final battle at Liesel's home. A deal is offered for in exchange for his plastic surgery skills. Ernest will be given the potion of eternal life for free. Although he's tempted, he ultimately forsakes the potion and instead falls into the pool and gets out alive. 37 years later, Madeline and Helen, who have been stuck together, attend his funeral where he's eulogized as having lived an incredible life. They laugh and make fun and they peel each other's gross flesh. (laughs) And then outside the church, the two women, uh, they, they're fumbling and they trip down the stairs and they shatter into a bunch of pieces, leading to one of the great final lines in history. Do you remember where we parked the car? <laughs> and that, in a nutshell, is Death Becomes Her.
1: You know what listening to you just now made me feel? Like I just wanted, I wanted to go watch the movie again. <laughs>
0: All right. This is Austin Ninja podcast next week. Who knows? (laughs) We'll figure it out later. Yeah. I know what you mean. I kind of felt the same way.
1: I was like, Oh, I just want to see it again. (laughs) I started to
0: remember everything back again.
1: Yeah. Kev, what is your history with death becomes her?
0: I had it on my watch list because blank check had done or was doing Robert Zemeckis at the time. And then like slim came in with like a four and a half. Or a five star rating. And then you came in with a, I forget what the order was, but it was like Slim and you. And I was like, I have two hours today. I'll totally knock this out. And I was hooked from second one. Yes. Because it's a Broadway musical. And that's who I am.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, like, I've been aware of this movie for a very, very long time. And not to like pull the gay card, but like, gay people love this movie. This is one of those movies that is like, It's the high camp. It's the like fact that like madeline and helen kind of read as drag queens but also like they're in love with each other you know what i mean like it, right. it appeals to all spectrums of queer people uh and the camp levels are just too immense and fantastic and pr- just completely perfect so i've always known that queer people love this movie um i've seen many a drag queen like ben Kremen, and jinx monsoon reference it in like photo shoots and live shows and it's just a thing you're aware of and i always wanted to watch it and then i think last year i was looking at my review the review you, you read last week I don't recall what you know made me put it on but I did and yeah immediately was like oh this is just literally the best thing in the whole world like it it, it was one of those movies that I think you and I both felt like you just it hits you and you're like oh this was made for me this is yeah absolutely so like yeah I also immediately loved this movie uh the moment I laid eyes on it (laughs)
0: The first thing I want to talk about is kind of out of left field, okay. but it's returning from an earlier episode this year. You may know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about not not a, a little bit underrated, I think, in this movie is Bruce Willis mm. returning from our Sixth Sense episode where I said that that performance is probably the best of his career. And I, I'm not so sure. I feel like this is a, a really strong contender. He's very underrated, I found, in my, our circles for this performance.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on Sixth Sense. He is, I think, just one of the greatest movie stars we've ever had because of how uh, malleable, I think, as an actor he is and how he always tends to really feel like he's that kind of actor that everyone can enjoy because he he just kind of has such crossover appeal and is just so talented. There's just something special about Bruce Willis. And, uh, yeah, I think he's sometimes more versatile than people like to remember because this is so out of left field. I don't know how much weird stuff like this he did in his career, but this feels so unique for what I at least think of him as doing. You know, I think of things like Die Hard and Armageddon and, 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 and films like that of that era or like legal dramas or, you know, dramas like The Sixth Sense. So this just feels so unique and special. And he's amazing in it. Yeah, he's great.
0: It kind of reminded me of Moonlighting, which he was on in the eighties, which yes. was more of a more of a funnier show. And he is—I agree—he's a more flexible actor than people give him credit for. I think somewhere in the early two thousands, he got stuck in a pocket. Mm. Although he's quite good in Moonrise Kingdom.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Pl- kind of throwing back to this type.
1: I mean, the whole cast is really just crazy because th- we, we got to talk about Goldie and Meryl and I love sure, them both we'll there. I love them both Goldie is like in in the pocket right like this is Goldie's kind of thing this kind of sex appeal with comedy thing that's Goldie but for me Meryl on the same boat as kind of Bruce Willis I don't think people think of this film when they think of like greatest Meryl Streep performances and they should <laughs> this is genuinely I think one of her best performances I've seen like a lot of Meryl Streep films and a lot of Meryl Streep performances. And I really genuinely think this is one of, if not possibly her best performance.
0: I'm wondering out loud, is this her first appearance on the show? Can't be.
1: Can't be right. I think it might be.
0: She was thing too. And cat in the hat.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> what are we doing? Stuck on you. That's a, that's a gr- <laughs> Meryl Streep and share. I loved that movie. That's when right. I was a kid. Yeah. Maybe one day. Meryl Streep doing a Bonnie and Clyde musical at the end of that film, um, before the actual Broadway one <laughs> was around, um, yeah, no, I just I love them both in this film, but Meryl in particular is, I think, so amazing. The way she, she's giving a like comedy masterclass in this film to me, especially that sequence, that first sequence with Isabella Rossellini, who we should also talk about that first sequence. There, though, every line, the what are you nuts? now a warning like the amount of face acting and how high and low she gets in the same sentence like she is a living cartoon character but it feels so biting and real yeah her line deliveries are so funny her facial expressions are so expressive and and hilarious like she is just so funny in this movie it's unreal
0: what did you say? I called you cheap, Madeline, because that's what I think of you. Who do you think you're, you're a talking cheap, to? Tacky little tramp who every week becomes less and less who do like you the think woman that I married are. and more and more you're like a broad. Nothing. Yes, you are broad.
1: You are broad. That's what I called
0: you. You're a tragic, Look, you're boozy,
1: pathetic, Look at the flaccid clown. That's it. Flaccid. Classy. Watch what you Placid. say, Melvin. I don't have to take this anymore. Classic. I
0: don't have to take this any longer. Oh
1: yeah, you'll take it. You'll take everything I have to give. You always have. You're not even a man anymore, and I need a man—a real man, not some drunken, broken-down, flaccid undertaker, who is just as dead below the waist as his clients are. <laughs> hey, I might have more fun with one of your clients. At least I'd know I'd be getting something stiff in their. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you you're not you're not watching only murders in the building are you this i season? need
1: to because i've heard she's on it right
0: she's very good
1: never would assumed meryl straight be on tv yeah weird well you know it's for the boys it's a, it's a
0: great role we are i'm waiting now to for the right time for us to like Watch the finale, finally. Very Mm -hmm. anxious about that.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Isabella Rossellini is absolutely wild in this movie.
0: (laughs) What a role.
1: (laughs) What a role. No one else could have played that, I don't think. (laughs) Absolutely not. Like, on Earth, I don't think anyone else could have done that. Randy Roundtable Uh, shot into the sun. I'll say it.
0: Daredevil wardrobe.
1: (laughs) The, The way... I don't even... How Like, how does her nip not slip for onesies? And then, like, the amount of times you think you're going to get full frontal with that first skirt and Robert Zemeckis just barely escapes it, you're like, how do you do that?
0: Robert Zemeckis is secretly, I think, the, one of the horniest people on the planet
1: Earth. <laughs> not mean, just for this. Jessica Rabbit, dude. People
0: who've, people who've seen his whole filmography will know this dude is, I don't know what it is,
1: actually. <laughs> well... I love that Goldie Less looks better, like Jessica Rabbit. Gold, like with the red dress. And <laughs> yes, the absolutely. Yeah, he had a Jessica Makes Rabbit thing. Yeah.
0: As did America at that
1: time. <laughs> I mean, come on. We've all seen the movie, Kathleen Turner. Excuse me? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.
0: How did we feel about the fat suit use? I'm I'm a guy, I'm not pretty now Wow, you just awesome fucking Danger went podcast, there. <laughs> look, we have to talk about this movie one way or another. And yes. I want to get into this. Yes, I know. Austin awesome Danger podcast. Um, fat suits are a cornerstone of this franchise. <laughs> yes. Because of course, our friend Fat Bastard, who now looks like a whale's vagina, his words, not ours. Whoa. I don't know I think it's funny I have to be honest oh. but I'm always on the side of like there are some it depends on the use but for this movie about very vain people it totally works
1: yeah I mean I I, I feel like I, I have a conflicted feeling about it because I don't have like a strong feeling about it if that makes sense and so I think that makes me feel conflicted like I should feel one yeah. way or another um, because when I see it I'm like oh that's unfortunate like you know I struggle with my weight. I feel weird about it. And like, I'm like, ah, oh, that sucks that that's like, you know, it for a film like this at the time it came out, that's the worst thing that can happen to a person. Um, but then by the time it's over, I kind of forget about it. Like it's, it's always a much shorter part of the movie than I think it is in my brain. Cause it's like a cumulative, like two and a half, three minutes. And then like, yeah, true. and then like, once you're in the shit, like once I was telling Rachel, when he choked Meryl out before he pushes her on the stairs. I said, it's about to get crazy. And Rachel turned to me and said, about to, it's not already been crazy. <laughs> like, I feel like when you get to, from the push down the stairs to the end, it is like, I'm not thinking of or, or care about that fat suit. You know what I mean? I get it. I get it.
0: I just thought it was worth discussing. No, I you know, think I it is.
1: It. I think it's probably the, the... this is, this is the,
0: the home of the fat suit. Practically. Yes, at yes. This
1: point. I think that it is the main criticism. People can still like, Uh, actively levy at it. Not that you can't criticize this movie, but you know, it's it's the one very valid critique, I feel like, of the film is the fat suit usage. So I think it's important to mention because I just feel like it comes up a lot. But the other effects in this film are stunning and absolutely bonkers to me.
0: Yeah. The blank check guys were saying this is the first movie with CG skin, Mm. which kind of shows. But like, there's so much of this great, just before CG happened they had just gotten green screen perfect mm. it still has a weird feel around it and we've seen that a couple times this year i think hook has a few shots mm. well hook has the julia roberts uh tinkerbell yeah which again kind of similar to some of these are almost there
1: Hmm. yeah i mean the for me the one that gets me like Yeah, I think it looks good for a 92, the stuff with Meryl's body. I noticed it it being kind of CG a bit more when she's kind of walking around with a backwards head sequence. But the hole in Goldie is what blows my mind every time. Yeah, Like when the shot, one of the greatest shots in cinema, I'll say it, when she stands up and the water is pouring out of both sides of her and then her body turns and Meryl and Bruce are framed in the center all, one of the all-time greatest shots in movies ever like I, that's just how I feel and how they got that water pouring out effect I cannot fathom and it looks so good in movement which is like never the case with CG even now that it looks so good moving and then the the, the you know the spear through the hole and the sitting with the spear through you like I literally like it looks real. Like that stuff blows my mind every time I watch it. Like I can't clock how they're doing it or where the where the green screen is.
0: I'm watching it right now as you talk about it and it is fucked up.
1: <laughs> it's like so it, it looks so good. Like it's I just think it looks better than half the shit I see today.
0: Well, that's a rabbit hole
1: (laughs) union union strong officially
0: union strong let's all strike let's all strike no more (laughs) (laughs) ant-man jesus well zemeckis also was flexing so hard at this point in his career in terms of special (laughs) effects right Mm -hmm. like the back to the future trilogy broke new ground in terms of compositing having the multiple copies of the same actor in the same frame and CG animation and stuff like that. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, of course has a lot of practical technical breakthroughs mm-hmm. to bring the cartoons into the world.
1: Amazing, Yeah.
0: Amazing. Forrest Gump. I joke about Forrest Gump a lot, but there are the a lot of special effects yeah. to get him into the scene. And while those compositing effects have not aged great, you know, it works. <laughs> Yeah, it's good enough. And this is a curiosity for him that will extend into the body horror films that we talked about earlier: the Polar Express, Beowulf, and the Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey. Future episode. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he's even still preoccupied with that. Look at Pinocchio. He wanted to see if he can shoot a film on toilet paper or anything. (laughs) My God! A money laundering operation, a crime. Tom Hanks paddling around in the Disney dome. (laughs) Everybody who loves film, just like Martin Scorsese, anybody who loves film needs to watch the Pinocchio movie to understand what it could be like. Oh my God. But yes, groundbreaking special effects that went way too hard. (laughs) I'm pretty sure this movie got a rewrite just to include special effects stuff. Really? Well, which makes sense. You could tell a little bit.
1: In terms of rewrites and edits, you know you know about the Tracy Ullman thing, right? I don't. Oh, my God. So there was originally an entirely, like, a fourth main character alongside them, and it was uh, played by Tracy Ullman. She's a bartender who falls in love with him, and when she, he, like, tells her about his predicament um she helps him get out of it so there's like an entire character and apparently she is prominently featured in the original theatrical trailer because she was a main character in this film as a love interest and then her and bruce willis's character run off together in the end Uh, and they've completely eliminated that and i i don't see any trace of it like it's genuinely great editing wow but like I would love to see a cut with it. Like I'm curious what it would change. Like I have no idea where they would add more movie, but i'm I would love to see a cut of it if it exists because i I'm curious. like it's so what I'm saying is I think it seems like this movie was going through a lot of changes. like I was reading all these different endings they were throwing around. like it seems like this movie was in flux all the way to the editing stage of completely removing a character.
0: That's messed up, yeah. Could you imagine being Tracy Ullman? Yeah,
1: right? You're like a main character in this movie and then you're compl- you're easily completely erased.
0: Oh yay. That's that's fascinating.
1: And the movie is
0: as a result very so tightly focused. Mhm. And so it's so easy going.
1: It's so easy to watch. You just vibe to it. It's amazing vibes film. Like it was hard to take notes on cuz once it the the gas goes to 100 you know what i mean it's just kind of flying to the end it's so well paced it's so entertaining to watch like god when's the last time like you've been entertained this much by a movie it's so fun to watch look at me ernest just look at me i'm
0: soaking wet and there seems to be something wrong with your uh, blouse I have
1: a hole in my stomach! Yeah.
0: And you're still alive.
1: That's another miracle! No, it isn't. You took the potion, too. Well, I hardly needed it. So that's why you look the way you do. Then you are dead. When did you take it, anyway? October 26, 1985, way before you. What are you two talking about? The The potion. What potion? How much did you have? Everything I had, and that was cheap. You took a potion? Beauty book, my butt. Wait a second. Free weights, exercise. I don't think this is a miracle at all. You're a fraud, Helen. You're a walking lie, and I can see, right? You. <laughs> Speaking of which, as a friend, some advice. I would stay out of a bathing suit for a while. <laughs> At least two-piece. <laughs> or if I
0: I'm trying to think. Sorry, I was caught trying to think if this <laughs> year there was a movie quite like this.
1: Maybe Stop Making Sense, but that's also a re-release. Stop
0: Making Sense? Yeah, from (laughs) nineteen (laughs) eighty. Although I would say that one comes close. Mm -hmm. That one comes close. Entertainment fun division, let's say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Only because I know Killers of the Flower Moon is going to scratch that itch, but that movie is not very funny. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. What else you got, Mackenzie? I don't have a lot of like big talking points. I have a lot of popcorn.
1: I mean, we talked about the fat suit, so I guess we could talk about the the tone of the film uh, because you kind of alluded to it in my original review about how I was like, yeah, it's probably rooted in a little bit of misogyny a little bit of sexism this idea of i think at maybe the time it came out this idea you know of the of the vanity of women and and the 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 hero is this sad guy who who if, if these women were in his life he'd be happy and and oh they're so mean to him and like isn't he like you know i, I think that, that there's there's things to get into in the way it talks about women's vanity and the way women control men or have power over men or, or hurt men or whatever but i think in 2023 it just reads as like hilarious satire. Like, I I think maybe that's how it was intended at the time. I I don't know. I'm just like, I could see how maybe someone would have been offended by this and you know, 92, whenever this came out. But I think in, like, 2023, it... it I don't know. It just, like, it, the satire of this film is so perfect. Like, I very rarely see satires that, like, do it this well, is what I'm saying.
0: I feel like it's been a cartoon since day one. I don't think there's anything unclear about like the movie being very very silly mm-hmm. i don't think there's anything serious to be taking out of it to be honest
1: i don't either i could just imagine some like 14 year old being like um this movie hates women
0: i would love <laughs> you know to hear mean? that
1: <laughs> i would love to hear that
0: the death becomes her musical is an overcorrection on this where <laughs> ernest gets half the songs
1: I'm going to try to go. I really am. Yeah, you're
0: going to try to go. I, I'm going to try to go. Full disclosure, I was like, do I want to fly out?
1: I am like so fucking excited. They haven't announced who's playing Ernest yet, but Megan and Jennifer Samard, I am so ready for.
0: Where is Andy Carl? Get him in there. Just do it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. He
0: is doing Groundhog yeah, Day in I'm, London.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm, I, I saw it's coming next May or June, something around that time. I'm going to try to go.
0: For folks who don't know, there is a Death Becomes Her musical that has been workshopping mm-hmm. for years and years and years and is finally having its, its out-of-town tryout, let's call it, in yeah. Chicago. And what that means is, for people who don't know, when you do a big Broadway musical, a lot of times, especially if it's a musical comedy, you're going to want to try it mm-hmm. out of town. You're going to want to try it in a city like great city like Chicago or La Jolla yep. or Seattle or wherever boston sometimes boston sometimes toronto sometimes
1: yeah and um, just see how people react and then there's usually a lot of rewrites it's usually a really early version of the piece that will make that's it to exactly Broadway. right
0: for example did you know the adams family had its tryout yes adam's beloved family. musical by mckenzie wow. the adams family i haven't seen it
1: beloved mckenzie lore yes nathan lane that...
0: again we will one day do the slime tutorial slime. Of...
1: yes of fucking adams family
0: but that no, out-of-town
1: tryout is crazily different
0: which is I believe the bootleg that is circulated around <laughs> yeah it's, it's they sucks. opened in Chicago it was one thing and then it opened in New York a different thing and then it toured mm-hmm. and returned to Chicago completely different a third thing third different reportedly way better thing and I know you know, uh, these shows can change, and it's very exciting. They cut so. a
1: man having sex with a squid in the tour. Yeah, that's why we're doing this slime version. tutorial
0: of the <laughs> Chicago one to make sure that's in there.
1: We need the the, the weird squid sex for some reason in the Adams Family musical when it toured, and it, I was annoying as hell. My friend went with me, and I was pointing out every single difference from the Broadway version like an asshole. I was obsessed. This is again deep McKinsey Lore. We'll get into it one day. It was my 16th birthday to fly to New York and see the Adams family twice. It was a whole thing.
0: This is uh this is uh, not the first time that story. I can't believe
1: I'm gonna throw that on the wheel. <laughs> we gotta put it on the wheel. Do we wanna pop some corn?
0: I think we wanna pop some corn. I think it's about time. I think this is one of those movies also where we've now talked about the big sweeping things. Mm-hmm. And now it is time to get into the nitty gritty, the quotes, the goofy stuff. A lot of my notes yes. say, LOL. <laughs> um, the robot boobs and butt on Meryl. Oh, Hilarious. Well,
1: You know about the boobs, right? You know the, the story of the boobs? There's a boob story. Yes. So they made like a hydraulic bra to push them up, but it wasn't working. So what? how they get that effect is Meryl Streep's dresser has his hands pressed to her skin underneath her cleavage and, and a man does them manually. Like a man holding onto Meryl with his hands raises her boobs individually. Uh, And Isn't that insane? I want to, where could I be? Where was that job application? You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) I think that person was vetted by the government. I think, I think once you you get it, once you get a certain level of fame, the government (laughs) provides you with your stylists
1: yes yeah so that is how they got that effect isn't that wild
0: that is hilarious
1: <laughs> that
0: is so weird well it's a great gag okay
1: it's a great gag it's one of the best in the movie
0: um another big one for me Mackenzie. have you ever the the opening of this film was an audience fleeing from the second act of yes. the musical have you ever walked out of a play
1: Never. I, I don't think I'd have the bravery to, uh, as someone who's been in plays and watched people walk out of them or watched people sit on their phones during a play. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't do that. I'm a, I'm an actor. I have that empathy.
0: I had a moment um, at Jimmy Buffett's Escape to Margaritaville, the musical at the Marriott Marquis oh, Theater. I won the oh, ticket lottery and I sat in the third row orchestra The best (gasps) seats I've ever had for a show, besides the great comment on stage, but that's a whole other thing. Like, for Mm -hmm. a regular show, these are the best seats I've ever had in my life. And uh, let me tell you, folks, and we've said this before, recently on this show, actually, I think in our Haunting in Venice episode, we touched on this. Mm. Those people are real, and they're there, Mm -hmm. and they can see you. Yeah. And they weren't going to let me leave. (laughs)
1: <laughs> can I say death becomes her is like the perfect Venn diagram for you and me yeah. like the with the campiness the performances the actors and the, the Broadway aspect which I feel like is such a huge part of ADP in a way that is so fun but like this movie is so peak you and me as people together I think in a way that I love. oh
0: absolutely big campy and this Broadway opening oh my god the Broadway opening I was like this is one of those moments and maestro has one too where I was just like oh my god you you see me. Like I felt so seen, <laughs> like, so silly. And then the chorus out of the 1989 Oscars intro that I love so much. So funny.
1: The disco transition that happens is so good.
0: It's a great late 80s flop musical.
1: Fucking Tennessee Williams play.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. Too true. Everything else of mine we've covered. All right. Tom McKenzie, please. Take it away.
1: I love that hard cut to the wedding. Yes. I have no interest in Madeline and whatever, and then boom, he's getting married to her. Amazing hard cut. The the editing is very blunt in a
0: really funny way in this film.
1: Yes. The editing is amazing in this movie. Uh, And I also love the cinematography of this movie. I think it nails that campy horror energy uh, that is so great. And I wrote down, I saw a lot of really... I mean, there's just some bonkers angles and just visual choices generally. Um, But I did love, this time I noticed Zemeckis using kind of a visual metaphor of mirrors. I noticed a lot, you know, this is a film about vain people and a a film about vanity and looks. And uh, I noticed this time a lot of moments where characters are taking lines to mirrors instead of people in terms of what we're seeing. These mirrors reflecting beauty reflecting these changes in the plastic surgeon's office that mirror giving us a couple extra seconds of that grotesque looking blood thing uh you know i i noticed mirrors being really cool which i i loved i loved a good visual metaphor kev how accurate is the line from newark for god's sakes oh god (laughs) (laughs) as a new yorker (laughs)
0: Yeah, you know New Jersey's all right. I don't. I I I don't blame people who are from New Jersey. <laughs> a very elitist thing to say to shit on New Jersey. Reminder that oh uh, Simpsons and Futurama writers who joked about New Jersey went to Harvard. So. Oh my god. You know.
1: I loved one of the many Merrill line deliveries. I loved. I've already mentioned a few, but I loved. I can see my ass. however she said that in like the weirdest way possible (laughs) um the doctor is fucking hilarious the way he plays the the discovery of madeline being dead (laughs) and taking the pills like he is hilarious just one of the funniest parts of this movie the shot of goldie almost getting hit by the car made rachel and i both gasp how they shot that i literally can't fathom uh but one of the scariest shots in the movie inadvertently um, then, yeah, I got to the point where I was just vibing through that final kind of chunk of the film. I said, it's so good. It just doesn't stop. As I was writing the note, I said, they should be kissing each other. I heard some, I think Meryl Streep go, come over here and kiss me on the, and you're like, kiss you on the what? Kiss you on the what? You They're married. Um, yeah. And then like the rest of it, I wrote Isabella Rossellini nude because I have to. <laughs> um this movie fucking flies uh I loved the I did love the the kind of ending moments with Ernest of where he kind of realizes that that if life doesn't end then life has no meaning if you're just living forever then there really is no purpose or or, or reason to make yourself happy or to pursue things which I loved and obviously is kind of the point of the movie you know because he's the he ends up being the only one who thinks about other people like you know he's like I, i'll grow old and they'll die he's the only one that has that thought and obviously it's kind of what makes him the good guy in the end and i like his ending i think i could have seen it where if he had a romantic subplot that's would have been his kind of happy ending um but i think the way it's done is, is really sweet i like the ending at the funeral. I, I read a lot about how they could not figure out how to end this film or what to do to to them. Um, One ending was supposed to be like a car wreck and they just, they're just skeletons or something. It it seemed very goofy. Um, But you mentioned the amazing final line. Do you remember where we parked the car? I love that they kind of end up married like I think that's another reason right. people, like queer people love this movie because again it has that heightened camp drag queeny vibe but they do kind of feel like a couple like they love and hate each other in the f- most fun ways and Goldie and Meryl have the most incredible chemistry together as 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 this frenemy thing happens between the two of them they're so funny together and uh yeah I don't know I just love that they kind of end married that's my that's my final note hell yeah is there any question?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I posted my score.
1: Same. Ten banger, baby. Yeah. I mean, you know,
0: very easy down the middle ten bang, I think.
1: Yeah. This movie fr- fr- freaking rips. I love this movie.
0: Very anticlimactic, though. To- <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I just remembered I have to spin the wheel and I got all excited. Oh my God. Oh, that's right.
0: Yes. We have to do our little show and then you can spin the wheel.
1: We have to do our little show. You ready? Yes. I I love love gold. gold.
0: Well, there's a total of five wins of 16 nominations here for Death Becomes Her The winner of the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, Ken Ralston, Doug Chiang, Douglas Smythe, and Tim Woodruff Jr. took home the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, which I mean, what a what a huge a huge leap in ways you wouldn't expect even like reading the back of the tape. Mm -hmm. Meryl Streep was nominated for a Golden Globe for her performance. Best Actress in a Comedy or a Musical. Meryl lost the golden globe to Miranda Richardson for Enchanted April, a film I have never heard
1: of. Uh, yeah, me neither. What the hell?
0: Oh, directed by Harry Potter legend Mike Newell. Four English women after World War 1 who are unhappy with their lives. Uh, this is grammatically incorrect. Four English women after World War 1 who are unhappy with their lives and their time away on vacation in a beautiful Italian villa.
1: Oh, okay.
0: That's like if you ask somebody what the movie was about 15 times and they were just (laughs) furious at you, so just spat it out. Alfred Molina (laughs) in a supporting role.
1: Wow, what the hell?
0: So, there you go. 3.4 on Letterboxd from 1,899 people.
1: All right, all right.
0: Iowa debris from The Bear gives it three stars. (laughs) I love that. That's I Love Gold. Now it's time for the Alan Parsons Project. This is our segment where we tie the movie of the week into the Austin Powers trilogy. Johann Strauss <gasps> has pieces in both the original Austin Powers and Death Becomes Her, believe it or not. Shout out to Johann Strauss. Gary Burrett returns. Kevin Haney will bring us Adam's Family Values, perhaps as early as next year on Spooky Wheel. <laughs> statistically the makeup artist jake garber who also worked on captain marvel with brie larson a movie that will not be controversial at all (laughs) michael higgins will bring us back to back to the future part three back to robert zemeckis and he returns from our la la land episode finally i want to highlight our sweet sweet dear friend she doesn't know it yet, but she's our friend. The flower is Luis De Tullio who appears. Luis, this, but I knew film. it.
1: I knew it.
0: One day we will watch Real Steel and we will watch Real Steel thanks to Luis De Tullio. Makes you think. <laughs> I
1: love Luis. Makes you think. I hope she knows she's loved.
0: I hope so too. We
1: gotta we'll talk off air. <laughs> but for right now. there you are you over there. We have no use over there this week. I I don't blame you. It was a big week to follow, a big act to follow with Silly's uh, incredible song. We got to get it on Spotify. Um, But if you would like to send a voicemail about Spooky Wheel, about anything we've watched before, what we might be watching next week, then you can send us a letter or voicemail at at gmail.com and we will share it on the show.
0: And speaking of next week i'm ready it it seems like there's teeth on it now that's scary there was not teeth when i put it in the box
1: there's there's yeah i don't there's it seems to be growing it's like pulsating i feel like it is actively growing in a way that makes me feel
0: Folks, if this is somehow your first episode of in awesome Danger Podcast for the month of October of this year, our wheel has been cursed. And so as a result, Mackenzie or myself will have to spin the spooky wheel to figure out what we're gonna watch of an array of horror films. Mackenzie is laughing. So now I'm nervous.
1: Landed on a a sequel,
0: (laughs) and the sequel is Adam's Family Values.
1: It is, how'd you know? Yeah, I landed on twenty, and it's Adam's Family Values, which means we have to go back to the original Adam's Family, which is a different number, I think. I shit you fucking not. I landed on twenty. I I screamed. I couldn't help. I I'm freaking out. (laughs) I'm freaking the fuck out. They're creepy. I also, before the show, did some test spins. I have I have not landed on a franchise yet in my test spins. Like, maybe they are not as powerful as we thought.
0: I'm just happy to get this over with, finally, so everybody can leave me alone. <laughs> You're going to love it. This I know. Of- I know I'm going to. That's the thing that pisses me <laughs> off the most, is because I know I'm going to love this
1: thing. This week and next week are like two peak McKenzie movies. I thought I was going to be having to sit through some scary shit this month, and I'm getting off easy as fuck.
0: Well, look, we still have one more week. Undecided. What's it going to be? It's up to me. So we'll get there. But next week, creepy, kooky, mysterious, spooky, altogether ooky. Christopher Lloyd. The late, great (laughs) Raul Julia. Oh, good lord! What is her name? What is her name? Angelica Angelica Huesken, Houston. Excuse me, I'm tired.
1: Christina Ricci. Little Dan Hedaya, a king who I love.
0: Barry Sonnenfeld. Dan- yes. Ever heard of him? Ever heard of him? The Adams Family. Next week on Austin Danger Podcast. But until then, from Mackenzie, this is Cav.
1: Austin Danger Podcast. Peace. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening.